Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is a big one. We have, as a little bonus, we'll be doing a podcast exclusive today on the psalm that corresponds uh, to uh, this chapter here. So this is a big moment here. Uh, David, you know, hey, it looks like he's pretty firmly established here. You know, King of Tyre built him a house, a palace, right? And he's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to build God a house. That sounds like a great idea, right? Oh, and God says, no, David, I'm going to build you a house, right? So what's going on here? Um, you know, is is this a sign of rejection of David? Did David do something wrong? Why is it that Solomon has to build the house? Uh, these are kind of questions that we have, and also we're kind of connecting those to the previous chapter where, did David mess up there? Was was that going too far? Was that not so good? Is God kind of mad at him? So lots of good questions to try to figure out kind of how this story works, um, and then kind of connecting that, I think, to the questions that we have ourselves, like, well, what what if I want to do something for God, and what if I have a plan, and what if I want to build something or start something or, you know, have these sorts of purposes, right? How, how does God look at uh, my plans. So, good stuff today. Joining us, we've got as our guest returning, we've got Pastor Boys Claire, Pastor at. Let me see here. I don't even have my notes, but I think I remember this here. It's uh, Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes, it is. Huzzah! And we're still we're still there. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Good morning. How are you doing, brother? Good morning. I'm doing great. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. And uh, yeah, this is this is a this is a big prominent chapter here, and I think there's like a even a few references from the new, maybe at least one from the New Testament, right? Oh, absolutely. It's the most important chapter in Second Samuel, and and it's also a um, it's a messianic mountaintop. <laughs> yeah, I should have led with that for the introduction. Next time, we'll just have you do it. It's the oh. <laughs> most important chapter in Second Samuel, guys. So <laughs> there, there you have it. Well, uh, looking forward to to getting into this one, and I uh, appreciate you coming back uh, so soon. And yeah. let's let's go ahead and get started. As we do, would you start us off with a prayer? Let us pray, Heavenly Father. You have fulfilled your promise to your servant King David by establishing his royal house forever in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Grant that as we, as Christians, are built together as living stones in the eternal temple of the Church, we may forever live with you in your eternal place in the heavens. Guide us by your Holy Spirit that we may see Jesus in your precious word, that we may be led into all truth through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Yeah, certainly, I mean, it is a, it is a very big theme, right? Like uh, the house of God. And uh, we've talked about that a little bit. Um, I mean, we were looking at 1 Corinthians not that long ago, and we'll be getting to 2 Corinthians uh, again when we're done with this little stretch in First and Second Samuel. So, yeah, I mean, that, that house theme, that, that place of worship— uh, we, we saw that in Mark and Revelation with uh, talking about the temple, right? I mean, this is a, right. this is a central place. idea. It is, it's the place. If you ever said, this is the place. Yep. You know, this, this, it's, that, that's the biggest uh, 
you know, in other words, when speaking of the temple, it is our place. It is the place, the makom, the topos, you know, that's mentioned in Scripture. And God locates himself among his people. He puts his name there. He, uh, he uh, proclaims his word through, um, through people. So hopefully then, as we go through the chapter, we can learn a couple things about this extremely important place. How do you think that connecting this then to the context, um, we, we might be led in a direction to kind of figure out how this pertains to David's desire to do this or his plans? I mean, I mean what do you see coming into this contextually from the previous chapters? Well, uh, he had uh, conquered Jerusalem from the Jebusites, and uh, it's only, you know, I I think that there was provision in the Mosaic Law for there to be a place that God establishes, uh, you know, for for worship, and and and, and so so David is thinking uh, in terms of of the people of Israel to try to unify the nation, uh, and uh, you know because they obviously come out of the division between Ishbosheth being king of the north and him being king of Judah uh, for seven. Uh, well, for two years, I guess, because Ishbosheth was king for two years. So, so it's kind of like he's doing what a king ought to do. He's kind of consolidating uh, the nation and under for the sake of the nation. Yeah, you know that it just it didn't hit me till you were just saying that. We did read how it was in chapter six or chapter yeah. five. I think it was chapter five that it said that David reigned in total. So it kind of zoomed out and gave us that overview for 40 years, like a generation, and it said 33 of them were over Israel and seven over Judah. But yeah, you're right. It said that only for two years did Ishbosheth reign, right? And so right. if you're just kind of doing math, it's like, well, David must have been anointed king in the south in Judah, and then after five years, he, well, yeah, yeah, at least after five years, he would have started sending then messengers to other places like uh uh, Jabed Gilead, where where he would have said, uh, "Hey, you know, why don't you, you know, come join up uh, with the South, right?" And they said, right. "Well, Ishbosheth was just anointed, actually, right?" So it's like oh, I didn't think yeah. about that, but that's like he kind of like he shouldn't have uh, stalled so much, right? I mean, he had five years to get messengers out there, <laughs> right? Yeah, and 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 of course, but I mean, it, it was a it he it, david was all about legitimacy yeah, he wasn't yeah, right. a he wasn't he was concerned i mean this was god's choice i mean uh sometimes uh, sometimes uh, there there's the idea that that it's a, between him and the house of saul and so on and david had the utmost respect for the house of saul for anyone for the guy that even purported to have killed saul even at Saul's request, which, of course, we know that that was made up by that Amalekite, uh, David uh, executed him. And then there was the, these two uh, uh, winners that, that executed Ishbosheth, uh, you know, attacked him and, and killed him and cut off his head. You know, David executed them as well. So David was all about, uh, you know, uh, uh, honoring the anointed of God. And, and, and as it says in, in chapter 6, uh, or in those chapters, it, he was made king for the sake of his people Israel, for the sake of God's people. And so there, there is a lot of legitimacy to what David is doing. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, 
man, that, that, I think that's a little bit of a central question, actually. To what extent is all this stuff legitimate? Um, to what extent is what he said to McCall legitimate at the end of chapter six? So, yeah, I, I think that the, the question of legitimacy is going to be going to be big here. But, uh, well, without any further ado, let's just kind of keep those questions in mind. Uh, and we'll just read the chapter straight through here. So this is Second Samuel chapter 7 here in the English Standard Version. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do that all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all, the, all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem his, to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word you've spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, 
and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. So uh, I think that there's a lot just going on in that prayer, which, uh, you know, may, may sound to us kind of repetitive, um, but I think there's there's a lot going on here that it might be easy to overlook. So there's kind of these two different parts here where you, you right. kind of have the, the story, which, which is, you know, um, all of a sudden Nathan's a character. <laughs> Maybe we should mention that too. Um, so yeah. it's a story. Um, and then there's this, there's this prayer, which is like very like Psalm like or something in the, in the second half. And so, um, yeah, I'll let a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, what, what about the chapter? I think, uh, I don't know, kind of zooming out stands out to you or, um, and maybe in terms of like structure or, or pattern, uh, jumps out at you. Well, it, it obviously is, first of all, God speaks, and then, and then David responds with his prayer. It's just simply, it's also the, the manner in which I or you as a Christian, uh, you know, God speaks to us in his written inerrant word, and so we respond in, in our prayers. And I think you probably are referring to uh, um, Psalm 89, right? That's the psalm you're going to look at in connection with this, I, I'm guessing. You know, that's a fantastic question. Um, actually, we're looking at Psalm 132. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. And there it's mentioned there as well. And and yeah. uh, so this, you know, the, the, this is a theme. This is a very important motif and theme throughout uh, the Old Testament. And this is, is. this this chapter is actually is very central to to God's plan of salvation. But as as you have said, it's structured with first there is the vision of Nathan the prophet. Uh, you know, at first, you know, it's kind of interesting. At first he says, yeah, well, everything the Lord is with you, you know, the, so so just just keep on carry on. But then God intervenes with a vision to Nathan, and then Nathan of course brings it uh to King David. And then David goes to probably where the Ark of the Covenant has, you know, it's been brought from Baal, Judah, into uh, Jerusalem, into a tent. And then, uh, uh, you know, some, some commentators don't like the fact that they use the word that he sat before Yahweh. Uh, you know, as they sort of said, well, he's kneeling and he just sits on his heels. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, that kind of that kind of bitter of that. play okay. that's going yeah. on there. Yeah, it, it is so central because it touches. It is the link between the testaments, between the two testaments. That that here he's talking about the the church. Uh, and, and, and he's talking about the man, manner in which uh, he will bring rest to his church through uh, the Messiah, Jesus. And, and, but I mean, you know, that of course is not, that's kind of far in the distance. You know, you know right. what you see right before you is the prospect of David, then Solomon, and then the house of David. And then, and, and, and you see, this is the whole reason that Israel was chosen by God 
for what's going on in this chapter. I mean, yeah, this this is the this is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, right? And uh, I mean, yeah. I, that from your body language, I think, right? It's like the same. I mean, it's the same kind of words that God used with Abraham, saying that you're gonna no, you're gonna have an heir from your own body. I think um, I I didn't check, but I actually I'm pretty sure that's same kind of language there. But yeah, oh, so absolutely. This is, yeah, so this is the making good on the promise here. Well, and, and that's, I think, too, then going to kind of take us back to, I mean, for, for all of this, well, I mean, for all of this, you know, it, it's just interesting how God has to tell David no, and I guess we have to decide if that, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, actually. Um, well, let's go ahead then and turn to the top of the chapter here and kind of kind of look at this. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you have you have this transition here. Um, which, which, uh, seems to convey like a passage of time, doesn't say how long, um, but you know, he's like settled, you know, however long it takes a king to settle in their new palace. Right. I imagine it takes a little bit of time. It's probably a lot of furniture. (laughs) Right. And um, and he has a large harem as well, you know, not as big as his sons would be, um, you know, 700 wives and 500 concubines, but uh, David has quite a few wives. That's right. So that's a lot of people moving in too, right? So, so this is, yeah, so this is, you know, some time passes. Um, he, it says, you know, he has rest from all his enemies, which we've kind of seen this before, like in Joshua, it just sort of means that he's got a a chunk of time here where he's not fighting so much. Um, but you know, he'll no doubt like, you know, next football season, have somebody to fight. He just has a, he has, he has a buy basically. And it just, it just kind of happens that he just talks to Nathan, right? So where, where on earth did Nathan come from? (laughs) Yeah, and and um, you know, it, I don't think uh, we've seen you know we've seen Samuel, uh, the aged Samuel, who was the uh, the final judge of Israel, who had a prophetic uh, office as well. So so, and then you 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 also seem to have some kind of a school of prophets that's that's operating, and so Nathan Nathan of course comes out. N- David would have a son that he names Nathan. So sometimes you know with the same names you kind of confuse. But Nathan yeah. is a very central character in in uh, the um, history of the reign of David. You know that's right. I mean, it's a, it's a common name, and uh, well, I mean, it's it's just in fact the second half of Jonathan's name, which uh, you kind of right. wonder if if David named his son basically after after his uh, friend right. and protector Jonathan, right? I mean, so Nathan just meaning you know uh, given, you know he ha- he gives or something like this, and then Jonathan, God given or you know given Yahweh gives something like this. So, uh, well, you know, it, it, what it reminds me of is it like a pastor in a church, you know, the pastor yeah. says, well, I'd like to start uh, a ministry to uh, young people. And, uh, you know, maybe the the uh, chairman of the uh, or the president of the congregation says, uh, the Lord is with you, pastor, go ahead and do it. And then but then something happens. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. So, so that this is the big thing, right? That you know. So, regardless of where this particular Nathan exactly has come from, we're kind of back to the relationship where there's the king and there's the prophet, right? And, and the prophet is acting as a check on the king in the way that Samuel is acting as a check on Saul. So we we have this this equilibrium reestablished. You know, there's no details on exactly how it was reestablished, but then, right as you were saying. Um, I mean, I think this indicates that Nathan and David are on 
I mean, good terms, right? I mean, he says that initially, right? right? Go do that. All that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. Um, I mean, this is very similar, I think, to the the language that I, I think that I mean Samuel used of Saul. I mean, again, right? Um, I'm trying to remember like where that was. Uh, it was like one of those like early chapters where Samuel was describing, okay, like this is what's going to happen, and you know God's going to do this, and you know, hey, just don't fight it, just just go with it, right? Um, I think that was yeah, in... it's almost like a quest, you know, like for, he was giving to Saul. These are the things you're going to do. One of the things was to attack the Amalekites. Yeah. You know, but I mean, he was going to prophesy, uh, be among the prophets, and so on. And 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 there was a real close relationship between Samuel and 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 uh, Saul. Uh, Samuel even wept through the night That's because right. God had rejected him. You know, and God says, "How long are you going to weep?" Uh, you know, I've, I've, I have rejected him, you know, and but but I mean, again, here you have and David himself, of course, is is a spiritual man and very close mm-hmm. to the Lord. And now he also has a prophet who was who is also, um, you know, in in line with the Lord. Uh, that, that, that's right. Uh, no, it's uh, it, it's very it's a very similar relationship. Um, I, I think that it, it does actually kind of invite us to go back and understand that, I mean, Saul and Samuel really were working together very, very closely uh, for some time. Um, so so the, the part that I was uh, referencing earlier was from First Samuel chapter 10, where, where right. Samuel is speaking to Saul, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, um, you know, and he, so forth. And then in, in verse 7, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Um, and There you go. He, That's a definite a definite tie-in, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, and you have that that kind of language uh, e- even in a, in a couple of places. But I mean, so you know, yeah, you, you have that. Um, th- there's a similarity. Like, okay, yeah, no, it seems it seems good. You know, God is overall and like and Nathan, they're you know good with David, right? But then this this vision happens, right? Like you were saying, like, uh, but you know, but then like the president of the congregation says, well, actually, I know we talked, but. Maybe we need to, you know, Pastor. Right. Uh, you might you might want to consider this, right? So you have right. this this interruption, right? And, and that's and and that's very interesting here. So I don't know, just kind of like, what do you make of that? Just kind of all by itself, that you know, Nathan's just kind of like, yeah, you know, God seems to like whatever you do, David. So just go for it. Um, but then right. God has to say, well, 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 hang on. Well, you know, they kind of were uh, sort of uh, taking baby steps with the Ark of God, bringing it back from Baal, Judah, because you had the incident at uh, the uh, threshing floor of Nikon and uh, Uzzah being uh, struck down for touching the Ark. Mm-hmm. Then it was in the house of Obed-Edom, and then finally uh, things went well. After God blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and so then uh, the Ark was brought back to Jerusalem. So they kind of took baby steps, you might say. Okay, David says, now we want to make a temple uh, to the Lord. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's true. You, you've seen that that this is this is, didn't happen all at once, like you were saying. Um, you know, for it, it, he he wants to take it to Jerusalem, right? And we talked about that a little bit with our guest last time, um, Pastor Witt, who was saying, you know, it makes sense. David's like, hey, I'm I'm moving the capital to Jerusalem. I want the ark to be in Jerusalem. Uh, it doesn't work out for him initially, um, but you know, but it makes it there. So it, it does seem like in some ways, like there's these there's these steps, but 
uh, I think the thing that's interesting about this chapter is it doesn't kind of present it as, okay, well, here's the next step. It's like, whoa, hang on a second. Take a step back. Right. So, I, I, so that's the kind of question I think we want to try to look at a little bit more. But first, got to take a break. Everybody, hold on. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 7 here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more about classical Lutheran education at Faith Plano, visit flsplano.org. That's flsplano.org. This has been quite a year, a lot of uncertainty, but there is one thing you can count on if you're a member of the Concordia Plans. Your benefits through the Concordia Plans are always with you to help keep you physically, emotionally, and financially healthy. Protect yourself and your family by signing up for your healthcare benefits, along with additional insurance and saving for retirement. Choose your 2021 benefits November 2nd through the 20th at concordiaplans.org slash myaccount. Cross Defense is the show where we talk about curious topics to excite the imagination, equip the mind, and comfort the soul with God's Word. Join me, Pastor Tyrell Bramwell, every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or even your favorite podcast app. My friends, our foe is a fierce enemy. Our only defense is Christ on the cross. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa, looking at 2 Samuel chapter 7, the most important chapter in 2 Samuel. Uh, lots of good things here. we got to take a look at some of the New Testament connections, because there are many. Uh, trying to just get the narrative straight here, this scene with Nathan, who's just kind of come onto the scene. He's a, a new Samuel, I think, is, is basically all we need to know for right now. Uh, but yeah, David would like to build a temple for God, and you're thinking to yourself, that sounds like a great plan. He should do that. Well, that's what Nathan said. But then God said, wait a second. If you've got a question or comment for us and you're listening live, join the conversation, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Sorry, James, about last time. I did see your email at the end. But if you do have a question, try to get that email in, say, like, before uh, a quarter till. Uh, just if you get the email in the last five minutes or so, I don't, I don't know if we'll have a chance to get to it. You can also hop on the live stream normally, uh, but Facebook's down. But if you go to facebook.com slash H-A-Espinosa, uh, we've still got a thread going here with some questions and some comments. So take advantage of that. I want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word. Okay, our guest, 
Pastor David Boyce Claire of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. So we were just looking at this this interruption, right? So here it is like, yeah, this seems like a great idea. Why why shouldn't he do this? Why shouldn't the church start a new mission plant or expand the sanctuary or do X thing that sounds lovely, right? Uh, But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. I mean, this is just an interesting thing. I mean, um, honestly, the only other thing it reminds me of immediately um, is the story of the rich man in Lazarus, where that same night, God shows up and says, you fool, your soul is being demanded of you. Yes. I think that, well, there's the parable of the rich fool uh, in, in uh, the uh, rich, uh, the, the Lazarus and the rich uh, man die at the same time. And, and it was like the rich fool, you know, he's the guy that wants to build oh, that's bigger right, that's barns right. and everything. Yep, yep, and, yep. and then God says, you know, guess what? You know, you think you got many years ahead. Uh, think again. You're 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 going to die <laughs> tonight. Well, <laughs> well, you know, and there's a weird there's a weird connection have. between that, right? It's sort of like you know, you think you're yeah. going to do all these things, like you know, like your reign, David's just going to keep on going on and on and on, right? But but no, you're going right. to die. And he actually says that in the chapter. Right. It says it says it in a kind of exactly. nice way, but you know, it's like no, you're not, you're not, but your, your son will. I, I mean, like I don't know. So just just kind of the that same night. God showing up and reversing a course on a plan, right? I, I think that those kind of common thematic threads, I feel like points to, I don't, there's something, something is wrong with David's thinking. I don't know. What do you think? I I, I actually don't think so. I think God is just simply, you know, directing his thinking in the right direction. And he's doing something. He's saying, guess what? I want to do something for you. I am going to establish your house, your family forever. You know, it's it's sort of like, I'm going to build you a house. You you want to build me a house. I don't really need a house. You see, you know, it's interesting how how a lot, you know, a lot of commentators point out that God is telling David that don't think that God is going to be limited to a house or that he needs a house to live in. And, uh, right. you know, God, God, even when Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord, he says, you know, even the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? You know, and, 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 and of course, within, in a sinful world, you know, everything, there, there is always problems uh, like something. But, but yet, you know, there are some commentators that say, well, you know, here they kind of stick in, you know, they, they, of course they say that the Old Testament is edited, and then, you know, God really wants to get the point out that he's not, uh, you know, limited to any place, that he is, he is everywhere. And, that, and then, then they stuck in the thing about the temple. But actually, God does that with us as Christians. He locates himself among two or three that are gathered in the name of Jesus, and he locates his the word of the gospel with the mouth of the pastor or the mouth of the Christian who witnesses to Christ. And so here is there's there's both of these ideas here. He does want to so I think it's I think David's thinking is is right, bang on, but but he needs a little bit of direction from God, the way it's going to carry out. That's sort of like, you, you, let's say we pray to God for something. Let's say we yeah. pray for rain or we pray for something. We shouldn't specify the manner in which he 
answers the prayer. He's going to he's going to spe, he's going to fill in the blanks. He's going to specify the way in which the prayer is answered. Yeah, that's um. I appreciate the way you're kind of drawing out this nuance here, because I because I think that those are two different ways of taking it. You could say that David here is the only thing wrong with his thinking is that it's too small, right? Right. Um, right. Or you could say that he's like on the wrong track, right? And uh, I, I think I totally get what you're saying that he's just thinking too small in in some ways, right? right? Um, exactly. And and I think that we've kind of seen that before too. We had when we did look at First Corinthians way back when before we started First Samuel, we saw how in First Corinthians ten, Paul cites um, that Psalm uh, Psalm twenty four, the the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and we saw how um, he's really using this psalm right as a I mean I mean it's a li- it's a little bit of a chastisement um, even in Psalm twenty four um, uh, something of a rebuke. But especially it's a rebuke, though, in First Corinthians 10, where he's saying, hey, don't go thinking that you're doing God a favor, <laughs> right? right. Don't, don't, don't go thinking that—because, that, you know, uh, I mean, back in Psalm 24, which is just—I like, I love the line, right? God's like, if I needed food, I wouldn't ask you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's—I I think there's something similar going on here, though. I mean, and so, and so Paul in First Corinthians 10 is saying— Guys, like, don't go thinking like, oh, okay, well, you know, we need to, you know, do this and observe this kind of religious thing, you know, because we got to do it for God, right? No, no, God's fine. Uh, do think of your neighbor, right? So I, I wonder then, you know, if, if there's something similar going on, because um, right. I, so I'll I'll just kind of put it out there just as another possibility, but looking at chapter well, it, six. He's he's broadening it, like you said. He David is is uh, has too small of thinking. You know, I'm I'm. But you know, do you you got to give the man credit? I mean, you got to be practical. You know, I mean, you know, I'm trying to establish my kingdom here. I'm trying to uh, get rid of the enemies of God's people. Um, And and uh, but God says, guess what? This is going to result in the salvation of the whole world of all people. In in the in your son. Uh, you you know, and of course, uh, we're thinking, uh, thinking of Jesus here and mm-hmm. in, in looking at that. And the place, the temple is the, the, the church, but of course, also the body of Jesus. Jesus says about his body, he says, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. So, so here, you know, there's, there's all of this, this uh, thinking, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting about uh, like uh, Christianity or the word of God, that, that words, there's all these word plays of house. You know, you think of a house, you think of a building, you think of the church, you think of a building, but it's more than that. It's also a family. It's also a people. It's a, it's humanity itself. It's the son of God, you know, Luther well, even and- uh, translates. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. What, so what, how's Luther? Yeah, well, Luther, Luther says that this is the way of mankind, the Lord. You know, so Luther sees incarnation here. You know, in in uh, yeah. in in what David, how David prays the, his prayer. You know, he says, uh, you know, th- this is the man, the Lord, and and of course uh, the the, the uh, uh, commentators, the, the the big experts that we that we consult say, no, that wasn't exactly right. <laughs> but you can see it; it's as plain as day. The, oh, that okay. Well, so we want to take a minute to to whoo, just uh, had something fall off, on, but we're okay. Um, yeah, well, we want to take a look at that then. Um, at at the end, I was going to say briefly here. Uh, 
I think looking at chapter six, you know, it, chapter six ends on on a little bit of a downer. Uh, you, you've got right. this this big rift that comes between Mikal and David. Um, and the kind of two basic ways of reading this, right? You've got one, which is that Mikal is making a big deal out of something that she really shouldn't be. Um, right. So, you know, like, hey, you know, don't, this is no time to uh, be jealous or, or, or uh, spiteful, you know, maybe because she was like taken away from her second husband after some years or whatever the case is, right? So you can fault, you fault McCall and read verse 23 of chapter six as, uh, you know, God closes her womb or something like that for the rest of her life. Right. Um, right. So and, that's, that's one. She didn't offer any objection to it. It was her husband that offered objection to it. I think she, she recognized the fact that she was a, the king, a king's daughter. And, and, uh, you know, I don't want to be, you know, there, there might've also been kind of a thing. I want to be the queen, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the one and, and, you know, and I'm going to give you some advice, David, yeah. you're, you're, uh, you're being too uh, available. Uh, you're, you're being, you know, and then, of course, there's the question, you know, he was wearing an ephod, uh, you know, so so yeah. he wasn't really clad, uh, you know, very fully. And and so here you have like a, uh, you know, and so it's it, I think it's tragic. It's sad. I remember a, a pastor doing a uh, a Bible study on that. It, it, it That's just like for marriage counseling, you know, it. it, it Probably David, of course, and her did not have marital relations anymore, and so you know, yeah. and it's, it was kind of connected to that. But it's just the it's just the sinfulness that that is always the way in which the way of God is is barred. Certainly, I think, kind of regardless of how we we trace it out, we would we would come down and say it's uh yeah, it, it's it's definitely a, a sad ending uh, for for their relationship. It would seem. Um, briefly i was just gonna throw it out there i think the other way of taking this is that mccall's uh criticism is is spot on and just because of what you were saying that the thing is the temple being more than just you know this is a nice thing a pretty thing uh you know kind of a a pleasant symbol um because it because it's more than all those things god needs somebody actually at this point with more credibility than david to build this right and and can it be that with the way that he let god down with the ark of the covenant with with his handling there you know like just saying oh yeah throw it on a cart and uzzah gets killed because of that um and then with the way that he brings it in and brings in all these slave girls and has what may have been something that resembled a little bit too much of the golden calf festival back in sinai uh, is that like something maybe where it's like, yeah, God's like, mm, David, you're, you're, you're doing, you're doing a lot of things. Good. Um, you're, you're the King that I've, that I've appointed here. I'm going to keep working through you and keep blessing you, but I'm going to have someone who hasn't embarrassed my presence like this, be the one to dedicate the temple. So I, I just well, want to put that out there as my possibility. It, it's interesting that uh, the emperor Heliogabalus, who was uh, 
killed in the year 222, uh, he brought into Rome uh, a uh, this uh, a black sky stone from Syria, and and he danced in front of uh, that uh, that idol that was brought into Rome. So it's kind of like there's a, there's a lot of in the ancient world there are interesting similarities. <laughs> Although David, of course, you know his he his argument is well I'm doing it for the Lord. He David is very humble. You know, even in his prayer, he's very humble before God. You know, who am I? Who is my family? Yeah. Well, th- see, that that is interesting, right? Like the language that, like, who am I? That's a lot like Saul back when he was humble, right? Right. Um, right. The, uh, but it's interesting, and in, in there in chapter 6, right? I mean, there, there's a way of definitely reading what he says to McCall is not particularly humble, right? Like, um it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all this oh, house yeah. to yeah. appoint me as prince over Israel, right? Um, and, and so, you know, is he is he basically um, to kind of put it in our catechetical language, uh, misusing the name of the Lord, justifying what was actually, as McCall pointed out, improper behavior, uh, maybe even lewd right. behavior. And he's using God to justify it and say, like, oh well, I mean, it was all you know, it was r- religious, right? You know, it was. You know, it was all a you know a Yahweh celebration, so it's all so it's all good. Um, and in that respect, right, I feel like we kind of do those sorts of things all the time, right? That we say like, oh well, it was for a good cause, or oh, I mean, you know, what's the harm in it, or you know, well, actually, the church is going to benefit from this. Um, and, and so we kind of do the same thing, but uh, I think we have, <laughs> well, e- e- either the, the the prophet Nathan comes to us, or sometimes it's uh, Mikal, our our wife, who comes to us and says, "Right, yeah, I don't know if you should uh, be be buying too much of your own press there, um, just because I you kind of like." Good, I think that's a yeah. good read on that. Although you know, I tend to I, I tend to kind of look at it from David's perspective, and and uh, but on the other hand, um, I I think that there you know it's interesting that when uh, Chronicles First Chronicles uh, records that event of David dancing before the ark, uh, it mentions he had a robe on under the ephod. Uh, in in uh, uh, First Second uh, Samuel, he's just wearing an ephod, which is like an apron. So I yeah. mean, underneath he's naked. You know. You yeah. Know. No, and that's uh, we'll we'll have to talk about that some other day. Just how I, I mean, I, th- I think what everyone will admit is that Chronicles is it's not it's not a revisionist history, but it is it is history with a different emphasis. Um, right. Then, right. and so you know, it, it's just, and, and that's and that's fair, right? Like whenever you're telling history, right? Like you're, it's a story, so there's there's points that you're making as you do so, right? Um, there's no such thing as like you know, totally neutral. We're all human beings. We have perspectives, right? And so, exactly. chronicles, chronicles is is making different points. It's not just meant to be the same exact thing as uh, first, second Samuel, first, second Kings. Um, I want to take a look at some of the questions that popped up over email here uh, with All Hallows Eve coming up here. So has David's action established an institutional space and movement that will reform and structure the trajectory of Orthodox worship to this very day? I, I gotta I, I, I admire this complex sentence structure. I'm gonna have to take a second to think about that here. I, I think the idea is is basically, you know, is this setting the pattern? Is this is this paradigm setting? And I think that this kind of gets back to the whole notion of 
sacred space? Um, what's the status of the Temple Mount today there in Israel? Um, you know, in, in what ways is this action here, or David's idea, even you could put it that way, uh, a good idea that we should hold on to? Um, we've already talked about how in some ways it's been superseded or rather uh, better put, as you were saying, fulfilled ultimately in Christ as the temple. But so, like, but what, how, how does it look like what David was getting after? How does the similarity work? Well, um, you know, in, in terms of the God's manner of working with his people is locatedness. Yeah. You know, you, you know, he locates his word of the gospel in the mouth of the man he has has uh, and, you know called and ordained. Um, you know, in 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 a, in a sense here is David uh, is central. There there is a centralization of, of of the worship. So it's not like everybody doing their own thing, setting up a, a, an altar. I remember a lady who uh, she she said, "In the back of my house, I'm go- I set up an altar to God." Or I had a neighbor that did the same thing and 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 that you know that's you know it, in in the uh, ceremonial law of god in the in the uh, pentateuch the law of moses uh you have a you saying you know you know you should reserve the worship for the place that god has placed his name and so definitely there you know he is he is uh you know affecting the trajectory of orthodox worship you might say well, I mean, I think that um, you know, trajectory is a good word too, right? Because because in a lot of ways, he's kind of just on that trajectory, right? I mean, that, that kind of locatedness you see that throughout Genesis, even right, where you know mm-hmm. uh, Jacob like has a vision of God and he says, "Well, okay, we're going to build a, a, a little shrine right here, right? B- build an altar here." Or you know, Noah mm-hmm. gets off the ark, builds a builds an altar. Um, you know, just this idea that you know God appears at places, right, and that that changes things or God appearing to Moses and, you know, says this is holy ground, right? So that locatedness, right, it's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, a pattern, an arc that you see throughout the scriptures. And then, yeah, you, you kind of see this way of saying, okay, yeah, th- this kind of temple pattern that, you know, even today when, you know, we gather around the, the Eucharist, right? Like there's this sense of, well, hang on. Yeah. Like this, this is kind of the sanctuary. We even use that term sometimes, um, not because it's just this building in particular, but because, as you were saying, the person and the body of Christ. And so in, in that respect, right, like there's there really is a, a good deal of overlap, even though there is something greater. Um, I, I want to ask, because this gets to the, one of the other questions over the email here. Um, so here's, I'll just read the question here. Can worship be in spirit and truth in a simple country church in the nook of the valley, or does it need to be exposed in a great crystal cathedral, right? So, I mean, you, you, you can tell there's a little, you know, what, what I think the, the bent of the question is, what, what it's kind of getting at, right? Um, I want to look at the text here. So in verse 5, there's, there's, this, uh, there's this question, <laughs> right? Uh, this is pretty interesting, you know, so th- thus says the Lord. And uh, in an English translation, it says, you know, would you build me a house to dwell in? Um this is interesting here, but well, it's I, yeah. The question is the question is asked expecting a negative answer. Y- you know, uh, you know. In, in yeah. other words, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to build me a house, would you? You know, something like that. It it it, it the structure is expecting a negative answer. 
to that well, question. Well, I think that the other part of it, too, and the thing is the Greek translates it the same way, too, in the Septuagint. The, the first word's you. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think it really needs to be, hang on, would, would you build, would you build me a house? Right? Like, and there's this little, like, a question particle right there. Like, first, first word really is you with the pronoun, which is only emphatic in Hebrew, because usually you just drop it. So, right. I, I mean, I, I think it's just getting at maybe this uh, something similar to what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians 10, citing Psalm 24. Like, hang on a second, David. Who's doing who the favors here? And, you know, because uh, yeah. I, I, I think that's what God, like, gets to, right? He's like, hang on a second. I've been fine, right? I mean, like, when he says, you know, in verse 6 and verse uh, 7, you know, that he's been moving around, he's like, clearly, I've been doing okay, <laughs> right? You know, but— right. And I've and I've never asked for this, right? Correct. Um, oh, yes, meanwhile, right. meanwhile, I right in in verses uh, eight and nine. Meanwhile, I've been doing all kinds of stuff for you. You know, like I'm I'm the one who made you king. I'm the one who made you victorious. So, I mean, it, it does seem like at the at the very least, like you were saying, like maybe it's just me need, needing to make David's picture bigger. But I mean, he's he's saying here, whoa, hang on. Do not think you are scratching my back here. That is not how this. That's a very important <laughs> point, and and you have to wait for the external word, you yeah. know, the external word of God. You know, maybe David should have put it this way: I, I consult the Lord for me. You know, and yeah. get an answer to this question. You know, and in humility, because like you you mentioned about the check that McCall provided on David's uh, ego. You know, yeah. and so I, I think I think that's tremendous. That's a tremendous point here. So so then I I think then this kind of gets to the question over email then right. So I think that there is suspicion then um, held by many when they see big or innate cathedrals. They're like, hang on a second who are we really doing this for, right? Like, who's really doing Correct. who the favor is? This, is all this big, ornate thing really for God? Or is this, like, us leaving a legacy? Um, or, like, us, you know, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, is it kind of a self-aggrandizement um, of saying, look, look at myself, I'm a big patron of the Church. So that, so that, But on the other side, then, there's like, well, no, hang on a second. I mean, it's God, right? Are you going to—I mean, that, that's, I think, it's kind of actually very similar to what David says, right? Like, here I am in a palace, and God's living in a tent? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like good priorities. So, I don't know, try to help us balance these two poles here. Well, obviously, as Jesus tells the woman at uh, of Samaria, uh, God is spirit, and those who worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, it, it says, you know, it doesn't matter whether we worship him on this mountain or in the temple or wherever. You know, we worship him in spirit and in truth, even in the uh, uh, by the small valley in the nook in the woods or, or uh, at the Crystal Cathedral. Yeah. And and if there is, you know, and the thing is in 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 Jerusalem itself, the people thought God would never destroy Jerusalem because the temple of the Lord. That's why Jer Jeremiah had to say, "Do not trust in these deceitful words saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord." You know, he's not going to uh, you know, take away his punishment just because you have this building here. Stop right. thinking that way. So, and, I mean, and, and you know, yeah. 
I was going to say, so, so, I mean, like on the whole, right, like kind of just kind of weighing the different, you know, passages that, and allusions you're making here. I mean, like, I, I feel like it's kind of on the balance saying like, uh, I be, be very wary of big fancy temples and worship places. Um, is, is that, is that something that we should be taking away from chapter seven here? I don't think so. I think it's more of the attitude. In other words, what is the relationship with between King David and God and his people, the people of God? Uh, you know, in in terms of of following in the in in God's image, and 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 uh, you know, I mean, if sometimes sometimes the people of God are led to perhaps make, you know, interesting at Concordia Seminary, they were talking about Luther Tower that was built. It was a tremendous amount of money to buy that. And and they can they were reminded, I think, of when Jesus was anointed by Mary, the sister of Lazarus, that, that he says, you know, you have the poor with you always, but me you have not with you always. Isn't it fitting for us to, to uh, set up a beautiful temple to our great God, you know, so as long as the attitude is correct. Well, and I think that the attitude and not even just the attitude, but like the way it's going to be perceived and felt, I I think that's actually really big. And it reminds me of a scene that I think a lot of people uh, are kind of confused about, but it's in Genesis, Genesis chapter 23, where um, Sarah dies and uh, Abraham needs to bury his wife. And, you know, he goes to the Hittites to get this plot of land to bury Sarah. And there's this big thing about, okay, are they going to give him the land or is he going to buy the land? Right? Right. Uh, right. And, and like, we're just sort of thinking, okay, guys, this is like that game where you're passing the check back and forth, like, just just cut it out and just whatever, right? But it, it's, a, it's a big deal because the, the question is going to be kind of like for all time, who did who the favors? Right. Exactly. And, and, and I think there that that this is kind of the thing, right? Like everyone needs to know that God took David from nothing and made and gave him everything. And no one needs to get any idea that actually wait, like David kind of earned it or, or, or like, you right. know, it really God did his part. David did his part. And, and I think that gets to what you were saying then at the end in the prayer that, you know, when he says, you know, like, who am I? Oh, Lord God, right? I I mean, that's really showing it, that really all the blessings are coming from just one direction. (laughs) And that's... Exactly. uh, We got to be reminded of that, right? So, Yeah. uh, So many good things, brother. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure having conversations here. Look forward to having you on again real soon. Everybody, that was Pastor David Boyce Claire, Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri, going on to chapter eight. But we're gonna have a podcast to talk a little bit more about this with the Psalm. Till then, Pastor H. A. Espinosa, peace. Strong word produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.